Welcome everybody to the Robert John on the Rec podcast. We are a five-piece rock band from Orange County, California that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks, and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Robert. I'm Warren. And I'm Andrew. And this is episode number 125. Damn. Wow. It's your one and a quarter birthday. Podcast birthdays are in hundreds, by the way. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the, the seasons are in hundreds. It's like it's like the opposite of dog years. Exactly. I wanted has anybody just while we got people in the thread here, has anybody been listening since at least the first ten? Because if you have, maybe we should think of some sort of prize because that is that's a lot of talking that you've been putting up with us. Like, does anybody remember the days when we used to do this in the flesh? When we were all in the same room? That used to be pretty fun. Do you guys even I, remember that? I barely remember it. Yeah. We were always drinking so much. <laughs> Someone would just buy us a bottle of whiskey and we were like, it'd be rude not to finish it. <laughs> it doesn't matter that it's Tuesday at like, you know, midnight or something. Oh, we should go revisit some of those. Over, over 155 hours of podcasts. Wow. That'd be really funny for like episode 200 is to go back and to listen to the first podcast and see how bad we were at everything. It's not a bad idea. Podcast. Yeah. Commentate on us talking with us talking over it. Yeah. Or like just go back and listen for the highlights. Like here's the drunkest we ever were on the podcast. Let's listen to this, Jim. Yeah, brought you, to you by Blantons and Christina Bunk. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those Family Guy episodes where they like recap like the last whatever, and they bring up all the classic jokes and stuff. We should do that. We got a lot of listening to do. Hey, here he is. It's worth the listening. We'll be in the van a lot next month and the month after that. We should put together how many hours we'll be in the van the next two and a half months. Def, definitely that statement, I don't think I don't think I, I don't think I want to know actually right now. <laughs> after the fact. After the fact we can we can do it out. Yeah. Not before. God, not before. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, Warren, how was your weekend, buddy? Did anything happen? <laughs> no, it was pretty mellow, super low key. Nothing <laughs> happened. Um, yes, I got married. It was Epic. I have a ring now and I have a life partner, so I'm very happy. A lot of you, I feel like, know me and Erica, and we're very happy to have been gotten married. Uh, we got married in Laguna at the Sandpi- <laughs> Sandpiper. Force to have it. Uh, we got married at the Surf and Sand, um, which is right down the street from the Sandpiper, which is where we met. Um, and it was a small group of family and friends. And I happen to have the whole entire band and featuring Steve, also including Steve, at this reception, which was cool because we haven't seen Steve in forever. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. It was a beautiful day. It was super hot, um, almost too hot for a little bit. But uh, everything was great and uh, good food, good weather, good people. We had a killing band um, that features the keyboard player, Xavier, who also plays with Steve and Toto amongst some of my other favorite musicians, uh, Brandon Brown on bass, Stanley Lan- Randolph on drums, uh, Mackenzie on vocals, 
and Leon Silva on uh, horn. Um, and these guys are like killer players. Stanley plays for Stevie Wonder. The horn player plays in Justin Timberlake's band. Uh, Xavier plays in Toto. Um, Brandon Brown plays with like Janet Jackson and um, the Jackson Five people. It's just, uh, it was a killing band. It was a great night. We went to the Sandpiper afterwards. Uh, me and Erica stayed there all weekend. So I was there like Thursday through Sunday. And uh, it was nice to kind of just relax and hang out and see a bunch of family and celebrate. And um, yeah, that was, it was a lot of planning that led up to one day that definitely goes by very quickly. Um, and I, Erica said it best. She's like, I felt like everything went really slow. And then once she put on her dress and she was fully ready to go, everything just went like super fast. So it was a really good time and we're still kind of decompressing from the whole wedding, but um, yeah, we are very happy and we were stoked to do it in front of our friends and family. So um, great times we had this last weekend and it was uh, yeah. Now it's onto the road, <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty much what we all did. How was your, how was your version of the wedding, Andrew? It was awesome. Uh, the band was killer. Amanda got mad at me at some point because I was paying too much attention to watching the band than dancing with her. <laughs> it just flipped my attention. Uh, no, but it was awesome. It was a great ceremony. Um, and you guys, their vows to each other were like the sweetest, most beautiful thing we've ever heard in our lives and made us all disappointed yep. in ourselves. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, everything about it was awesome. And we have a great group of friends. Uh <laughs> Our friend and a uh, uh, you know longtime Robert John family member John Hampton was uh, using the wedding. I think as a like uh, he's like it's the first time I partied in a really long time and I have to blow off a bunch of steam. So he was just like uh, yelling, uh, you know, up a storm and having a really great time there. He might have been a little intoxicated. I don't know. Alcohol might add something to do with it, but I actually remember him. <laughs> And thinking, like, these are going to be all the same people at my wedding. And <laughs> Warren's family is kind of cool, where, like, they all party and they kind of, like, drink and know that this, these kinds of things happen and they're used to this stuff. My family is pretty, like, um, old and never did any of those sorts of things. So I'm like, we were just trying to plan on how to, how to, like, make this one corner of the crazy party people. And then, uh, like, hide them away from all the old people and the uh, other people, because I'm like, this is this is going to be ridiculous. And then, if it wasn't John Hampton, it was going to be another one of us. Like, there's no way to, like, have, you know, when you get those kinds of people together without us being crazy and dumb. So, uh, no, that was a lot of fun, though. I love when John was, like, just uh, getting crazy and having fun. Um I, I come back to me after this because I want to stay on your wedding, and then I have other questions to ask you guys now. So, Robert, how was Warren's wedding for you guys? Uh, it was great. It was awesome. It was uh, the first night me and my wife had without the little one, like for a complete evening and morning. So, it was. Uh, we weren't sure how that was going to go, but it went really well. Just uh, it was great to be around all the friends and all the family, and and just enjoying the evening and um, having a good time doing it. So, it was great. We had a great time. Um, yeah, the band was killer, like like you guys have said, and and the vows were 
way better than what I did at mine. So, um, well, mostly because he was able to say it all without uh, <laughs> copying in between. Um, but yeah. And then uh, on Saturday, I did something that I've never done. Uh, I was went out to Huntington Beach and did a, a songwriter round with our good friend Daniel Bonte and um, my new friend Joe Peters, two country guys. And uh, it was it was I, I had a good time. I wasn't really sure how it was it was going to go, but uh, got to play some songs that we don't really play um, that are actually coming out on the new EP, Dark Roses and Old Hotel Room, and uh, or record, whatever we want to call it. And um, so it was fun. I had a good time. And uh, it got me out of my shell a little bit, which is always good to do. And sometimes it's harder to do that than not to because it's easy to stay in your shell. So I'm glad I did it. And uh, now we're here. Henry, how was your weekend? It was uh, interesting, but I'm going to focus on the positives. Um, and, you know, I made the best of the circumstances that were given to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was really fun. I had a great time. Uh, did, you know, Warren's wedding and uh, just a beautiful ceremony. And obviously the band was incredible. And I got my dance on and uh, went over <laughs> to Sandpiper with the crew. Yeah, I was tearing up the dance floor, man. Burn it up. I did not make it to the sandpiper. <laughs> um, and then I and then I wound up just crashing at our buddy Andrew Cordini's place and uh, just driving home the next morning. And then the next day, um, I actually went down to San Diego with my brother uh, Nate, and we saw White Denim at the Music Box. And it just so happened that uh, one of our big fans, my uncle Mark and Aunt Barb, were staying down there at their condo the same day just by chance. And uh, so it turned out to be very serendipitous. We wound up being able to crash at this really sweet condo they have down there and uh, had a really nice Italian dinner with them. And then my brother and I went to the show and um, I, I actually got to chat with uh, James, the uh, lead singer of white denim about, you know, like writing songs and stuff like that. And, um, you know, possibly, possibly doing something with him in the future, which would be insane for me because right. i think everyone around me that knows that i listen to white Dino knows that i'm like a ginormous fanboy of them um <laughs> so it's always really cool to like make you know correspondence with those kinds of people and you know kind of realize like oh it's just he's just a dude like you know we're all just like dudes trying to make music and trying to have fun and you know trying to find purpose in life and um we're all uh, dudes exactly Every, i'm a dude she's a dude he's a dude we're all dudes <laughs> <laughs> nice paul that's right iconic <laughs> iconic childhood memories right there um and uh yeah so and then uh crashed in san diego um and then uh sunday i went and saw our friends balto um my best friend adam Ditt plays bass in that group and tristan on guitar dan the lead singer and their drummer shell uh just like totally killer um and it was their you know finale of their tour they had just been touring around like texas and colorado and they went up uh to uh idaho and and washington and all that sort of stuff so cool to see all those guys and they you know crushed it they played at the wayfair and um yeah just just you know filled my weekend with music and uh you know made lemonade basically <laughs> and uh <laughs> It was, it was good. And, uh, and then, yeah, um, yesterday, uh, just did a little more collaboration with my buddy, Derek 
Derek Eglet and his buddies, um, the two Justins from a group called Painted Wives, and we've just kind of been making a habit of getting together every week and just kind of like working on some kind of like heavier, like like metal stuff, basically, actually, um, which is totally different. From nice. Really, really interesting to collaborate with that style of genre um, and just kind of like jam stuff out and improvise, basically, basically improvise writing and sort of like trying to create a song every week, like a something new out of nowhere. So that's always a really fun uh, environment. And I'm here. How about you, Steve? Oh, yeah. The wedding was beautiful, man. That was so much fun. Uh, I don't think we mentioned Surf and Sand is literally on top of the surf and the sand in Laguna Beach. So they're looking up at, at the two of you guys, you know, Perfecting your love for one another and and, uh, and reading your very beautiful vows in just a, on a perfect day in Laguna Beach, um, it was it was really special. I cried a lot. Um, I was really proud of you guys, <laughs> and it, and it worked out perfect. I, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to make it, um, but I got it cleared through management, and uh, and we had a day off right after San Diego. I had my car with me from uh, uh, my girlfriend, Kim came down for 10 days with the band and, and, uh, and that was fun. And uh, so I still had my personal vehicle with me. So it made it easier to get around and, and everything and worked it out with my brother and sister-in-law that they flew in Friday night. And then I picked them, me and X picked them up from I'm share and dropped ourselves off at John Wayne to go meet back up with the tour. Uh, in Arizona, but yeah, it was, it was a great week. Um, first time playing the Honda center, uh, since 2007, first time playing the Honda center with a band ever. Last time I was there was with the young Americans and we had like what cast of like 150 in an 80 piece orchestra on stage for this like realty group award show thing. Um, and then first time playing Staples Center, which is now Crypto.com Arena, and Andrew came to that. A bunch of uh, a bunch of my friends from from the YAs, and they came to that show as well. And yeah, it was just really it's been really great out on the road. The shows have been going great. Uh, we played in Denver last night and had a thirteen hour bus ride here to Dallas, Texas, where we're playing tomorrow night, and then we head off to New Orleans after that. And uh, things are good. Shows are going well, band sounding tight. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Perfect. Right on. Yeah. And the wedding was great, man. Like, oh my God. I can't stress that enough. It was so beautiful. Right. So happy right. for you, man. I have to ask a question now because I, I had to go. Warren. Yeah, great. Congratulations, Warren. No. <laughs> 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 we already set it up. Yeah. Uh, what did you? What kind of rings did you guys get? I just had to go ring shopping. It was the most nebulous fucking experience of my life. And I'm like, what kind of ring do I want? What, do I even care? And then I put a bunch on, and there's different millimeters. Okay, I think me, Robert, and Warren are going to have the exact same ring, which is yeah. all It's very standard. Um, I got mine as, like, like, brushed out a little bit, so it's not, like, super shiny. Um and then I think the most important thing for the ring is, I don't know if you can see it on here, but the edge is like, is, is, uh, 
like shaved in a little bit. So it's super comfortable. And the guy that I got my ring from had actually seen me play in past bands that I was in. So we had this kind of past relationship, which was cool. And he was really cool knowing that being a, a, a bass player, I wanted something that was really kind of like low profile and snug up onto my hand. So it doesn't really get in the way. I remember like my dad's wedding ring seemed like it was like a rock. It was just so big and monstrous. And I was like, I don't think I want something like that. I almost want something that's like as tight and small as possible. But that, that was the, my thought process on this one. So for everyone watching, uh, Warren or listening after this, Warren's ring is a white gold ring that's like a little curved around the edges, but looks yeah. very standard and is like brushed silver looking. Yeah. Robert, how about you? Uh, mine is Damascus steel. It's uh, like a folded Damascus, Damascus steel. So like it's, there's a ton of them that are kind of like it, but they're all kind of different. It's almost like a wood grain where none of them have the same kind of texture. And, but it's, it's just like, you know, it's, it's small and snug, just kind of like Warren's and uh, yeah, it's uh yeah, it's right there. And uh, Warren did text me the next day and was like, hey, how long do you play with your ring for? <laughs> and I told him about six months until you forget it's there. Because uh, I remember, like, even though at the wedding, I was just, you know, playing with it like this. Yeah, and the next day, you're just, like, you're just, like, doing this. And then you keep doing it forever, and you're like, is this ever going to stop? And then you wake up six months later, and you're like, oh, yeah, I have that on. But then, you know, you can make little, you can do things now like this. Little rhythms. <laughs> that, but that that brings up a point, though, is I've noticed that this metal is like soft technically, so it seems to scratch up a little bit. And um, I know I can buff it out, but there's different metal types won't scratch. I think I asked Robert about scratching his, and his is more scratch resistant than mine, which I should have maybe asked a little bit more about because I am kind of ADD. I like to like. Now that I have a ring, I like to whack it on things that are like made out of metal. So like, <laughs> if you kind of have the same sort of tendency of like, I don't know, you think you might scratch it, you should ask them about the different sorts of metals that they have to to see like how they react to you know getting scratched and shit like that. I so I got one that's polished, and my first order of business is just going to be take some steel wool and make sure it's not polished anymore because I don't want <laughs> a. I don't even want the polished look. I think it's like weird to have it be mirrored, e, and uh, but I I'd rather have the brush look anyways. Yeah, it, it's just I don't want to think about messing it up or something because it's going to get messed up. I'm not going to keep it nice yeah. it's gonna get rubbed on by drumsticks and whatever the hell else i'm doing with it or like loading gear in and out and stuff like that so mm -hmm. i'm not planning on it you know staying nice or anything so i just want it to be brushed that's, that's one thing i'm curious about um because we do load a lot of gear and i remember having like a silver ring like years ago and it got like super bent out of shape from lifting heavy shit uh why I, I don't even know anything i'm i'm recently a ring guy um but from like last year i just got this new skull one that kim gave me but um yeah i is, are more like is white gold more resistant to like bending uh, and stuff? apparently like 14 karat white gold is softer than 10 karat white gold 10 karat's supposed to be more durable and okay. it's cheaper and then 
I don't know. Like, they make a bunch of stuff in stainless and steel. Robert, is yours really durable? Yeah, it, 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 won't, it won't dent. It won't crush my fingers. Spray dragons. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's, what I, that's why I got it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always nervous about coming face-to-face with dragons. Um, it's kind of a biggest, <laughs> one of the biggest fear of mine. Um, if, you, if you just listen to this podcast, uh, everyone else knows. But uh, it's kind of my biggest fear. So uh, I needed a ring that I knew I could slay a dragon with. When it, it does happen in my future, we are doing a lot more stuff in the UK and getting closer and closer to um, different parts of Scotland. And I think that's kind of where dragons come from. So well, um, actually, dragons s- are a well-distributed species throughout Europe. Um, there's multiple different breeds. There's a, there's a good, Harry Potter. There's a solid concentration of them in England, though, I think. You know, yeah. you have you have things like the um, the Scottish uh, spike back and and things like that. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's just it's better to be aware. And also, dragon. the Welsh flag has a dragon on it, so there's but definitely I, some dragons in Wales for sure. I know we haven't seen them yet. There's also Wales, right? Wales and Wales <laughs> aren't real. Dragons are. I I agree. Birds are just little dragons. Exactly. Little, what little dragons. What were we talking about? Wedding, uh, rings. wedding rings. Yeah. I also got fitted for a suit that I'm not going to talk about yet, and I'm going to save it. But I showed all the band guys that sort of like it's set the so tone awesome. for the dudes things. Um, ever seen. I'm really excited about it because I was trying on stuff for the groomsmen, and it was just a little like it felt like going to church or like. I used to have this job when I like first got out of high school that was working at a Nordstrom's rack, like doing retail stuff. And I just like took a pair of pants and a shirt from my dad. And I just felt like I was swimming in it. And like, you know, I like just stole some of his ties or something. I was like, I hate everything about this. (laughs) And so I was just trying on all that stuff going like, this just makes me feel like I'm playing a wedding gig or like, you know, I'm working at Nordstrom's rack or I'm like, all these things made me feel like not, you know, not yeah. like who I am, if that makes sense. So um, I was toying around with doing another idea that you guys will see soon. And um, we found like a shop that was really close to us that did this like pretty amazing custom suit thing that you guys will see. And I found a way to tie it in with like a more normal like groom's party and stuff like that. It's going to look really cool. So um Steve, you're not far off. Steve in the chat. I'm not going to say anything to anyone who's listening, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty badass. So I'm excited for all that and uh, Fuck yeah. what's going on. And you know what goes really well with trying on suits and rings and people getting married? <laughs> Jams. Uh, yeah, man. Um, <laughs> um, today, I'm just... <laughs> Today I'm just doing a, a easy one for me because tonight I'm really excited. Um, I'm finally going to see King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard at the Fox Theater in Pomona tonight. Yeah, I'm going with my my brother Nate, and also opening up is this band Mild Life, which is an Australian band that I have featured on the podcast, and I'm super duper excited. Um, I have never seen either of them before. And I got really into both of them uh, over the last two years, like super hardcore. Um, so I'm very, very excited. Um, and I, I just wanted to, uh, you know, 
just just uh, extend my hypeness in the form of a celebratory song. So today I'm going to play this song from, let's see, this record came out. Now, and if you don't know, King Gizzard and Lizard has literally has 20 albums out. Uh, they've put out 20 records now in the last, and that's just studio albums. It's not counting like live records or EPs or anything like that. Like they have, they have literally 20 full length albums that they've put out in the last 10 years. Um, We're amateurs. And they're all great. Um, I love all of them. Uh, So this is from a record called KG that came out in 2020, November of 2020. And um, this is a song off that record. It's the second song on the record. It's called Automation by King Gizzard and a Lizard Wizard. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited about this evening. So I hope you guys enjoy this. Yes. Yeah. 
How's that? Yeah. In Gizzard. Charging it. So sick. Automation. Love those guys, dude. Big, big fan. Very psychedelic. It's going to be such a fun live show. Yeah, I, well, and they have so much. Uh, like, we talk about how much material we have to pull from from five albums. Yeah. And I was just thinking about this. Like, how do they even decide when they have 20 fucking records to pull from? <laughs> it's like you can't well, have. I wonder how many are, are still in rotation with them, you know? Right. Yeah. How many they actually do play live? They, I, from what I understand, their set lists are pretty eclectic, too. Like, they like tend to draw from uh, a pretty good variety of their uh, back catalog, at least from what I understand. That song reminds me of, like, Captain Beefheart, like, almost like early Zappa stuff. Right. Pretty cool. And I think, I think the thing that I know that I love about them is that's just, like, one small window of what they can yeah. sound like because you've showed me other stuff and i was like that doesn't even sound like the same band almost because they get so crazy yeah and they've done another record they do um which is like it, it's like they have like a jazz record like a crazy like progressive jazz record that they did with that uh the mild high club guy oh nice that, the, that record's absolutely bonkers i would have i would have picked something from that too but the thing about that record is it's literally a medley so there's like no way there's like no good way of like listening through the whole record because it's just like one song into the next into the, like no like all everything segues into each other. Right. Right. What is the name of the jazz record and what was the name of the record we just listened the, to? The record that I just played or the song the record that or the the record that that song is from is called KG came out in 2020 and the record that I am talking about is from 2017. It's called Sketches of Brunswick East. And it is King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard with the Mild High Club. Um, and and also, I think I've said this last time, but in 2017, they actually did five complete studio albums in the, in the course of the year. They recorded, wow. they wrote, recorded, finished, and released five albums that year. Were they on tour at all, or were they... Yeah. Uh, they they were still touring too. Yeah, I believe they were still touring. They they weren't as much, but but they uh, but yeah, they they were playing shows and things like that that year. That's crazy. Yeah, they're uh, they're crazy. They're next level. Well, we can record maybe about one record per year, <laughs> or come out with one record per year. And speaking of that one record that we've come out with recently. We're going to do some more album commentary. All right. We got all five of us back here. Yeah. Today's song is Chicago. The Chicago? No. It's Chicago. 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 Well, I guess without. Chicago. 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 Um, all right, I'm gonna queue it up then. You guys ready to listen to our song that we did? <laughs> so funny.
Oh yeah, what a great song. Yeah, it's um, good. So, I'll start out and talk into this. This is a song that Steve brought in, and it was really different in this, but it had that Oh Chicago piece in this. And I remember him, and it was like a lot faster, and it had a lot more going on, and I was like, whoa, whoa, stop, what was that Oh Chicago part? Like, let's, let's work yeah. backwards from there, because that's the gem, and, uh, you know, it was about the same concept, and uh, everything was still going on, but... That O Chicago piece was in there. So, uh, do you remember that, Steve? And then, uh, what was your original concept? Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the lyrically, it, it um, the the concept remained intact, but musically and songwriting wise, like it's, we just plucked that one thing out, and then uh, I think some of the chord structure and stuff in there too. Um, like, yeah, that was the first thing that I had. Yeah, I, I had originally had O Chicago, don't do me wrong. Look after my baby every time that I'm gone. Oh, she might know she's never alone and stuff. And we just like grabbed some of that stuff. And then it was really interesting from a songwriting perspective because it was a very like personal thing for me about a relationship that had recently ended. And, uh, and I kind of just left it in the hands of Robert and Ian to kind of write it from my perspective um, and I remember like sitting in the, in the living room with you guys and I was just kind of there like taking notes and writing lyrics as you guys kind of went back and forth. And it was, it was a cool experience. Like I've, I've, I've never had that done on a song that's about one of my experiences. Like I know with, I feel like with, you're usually doing that for other people, right? Your role is yeah, usually taking exactly. other people's experiences and then fleshing them out for them. So yeah, so it, was, it was weird and like super vulnerable to be on the other side of that, you know. But I, I think it turned out great. The uh, the five or four horns I saw a comment over here who, who's played sax. It's Jason Parfait uh, from the five or four horns out of New Orleans, and they killed it. And uh, Mahalia Juanita and Prinny on the backgrounds too. And um, there was a lot of space in there before we got the horns back and the backgrounds and I just feel like everybody really found their moments and, and, uh, actually at the highest level, man, it's it turned yeah. out way better than, you know, I, so I feel like the groove to this song was harder than most because it's so slow. And we usually just like try to play as fast as and hard as we can. And I remember being in the studio and doing a couple takes of this and going like, we just have to do one where we play almost nothing and we relax. And I remember the groove after listening back in the room, like changed a couple times, not that much, but I, I had to play a lot simpler. And then Warren's part is deceptively like the hardest thing in the world to do because he's playing just the, you know, but he's holding everything together. It's just, it's just three eighth notes with this, with the rest on the fourth eighth note. Uh, well, kind of, but bomb, 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 bomb. Which seems like it'd be super easy because you're just one note away from just going bomb, 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 bomb. You know what I mean? And that added the whole thing. Um, and I think, Andrew, that was like, I, I remember when we were kind of like shifting the feel of the song. Um, you were the one who's like, just play bum, 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 bum. And I was kind of like, I'm just going to do that the whole song. It seems kind of weird. And then it just kind of like, took on a whole thing and then like as a bass player there's things where we change the different chord progressions that like i just kind of outline the uh the arpeggios and stuff there's a lot of like root third fifth 
seventh octave sort of stuff going on there, which I feel like is indicative of those old Motowny sort of baseline stuff. Um, and then I feel like that whole thing makes it like in the Motown realm and gives it that like uh, that sitting on the dock of the bay kind of vibe. And then and then like Steve said, once like we got the horns and the vocals on top of that, that brings in the whole other like Motowny vibe. And uh, yeah, the song just like blew into what it is. And I feel like like Andrew's reaction at the end, like after we listen to it, it's like every time we're like, God, that you know, it's. It's just such a good one. Our goal is one day for for us to hear that play through Wrigley Field. So uh, if you work, yeah, all, Wrigley, you, <laughs> all you Chicago baseball <laughs> people, we're gonna we're gonna eventually get to a video for this song where it's all about baseball. Mark our words. Uh, Henry does something that he, it's very different for him on this song. It's not uh, you know rock and roll guitars and a bunch of solos i think this was really trying to get the tone right and i think he did a really good job of that yeah um and and just to address what you just said as a fun fact i am a huge cubs fan so that would be an extra degree of personal significance for something like that to happen and uh when they did finally win the world series i freaked the fuck out uh, absolutely and uh but yeah, um, it, it was definitely, you know, Warren said Motown and as uh, you know, it was very, very, uh, it was basically kind of a, a cross between that and almost like a, uh, I'm trying to think of, of what band it is, but the first thing I can think of is, is more of like a Credence Clearwater revival kind of vibe, um, mm-hmm. together with that. And that's what kind of, I think in a way brought it back to our, uh, our, world a little more but what was interesting about that song is i used i used uh only two guitars and it's that it's that middle position that really gets you this kind of chimey um character to it they both had the same kind of pickups in it so for the main rhythm part i'm i'm i used a uh a strat with firebird mini humbuckers in it um because i'd recently found out that actually a lot of those guitar tones on Motown recordings were a Gibson Firebird. Uh, a lot of the rhythm oh, wow. guitar were done by a guy with a Gibson Firebird. Um, I forget what the guy's name is, but uh, and and I saw the listing for that exact guitar happen on uh, on Reverb. I forget when it was. It was, it was pretty recent though. Um, so I used that, and then I also had an Eastman, which is that tremolo guitar, and um, what was really cool about that was I got to use this this literally a, a amp I found at the Salvation Army years ago. And it's this little, this cute little national combo amp that just has a volume and a tone control and has two eight-inch speakers. And uh, it just it just kind of sounds like it's falling apart. And that's what's really beautiful about it for those kind of things. It works really well with tremolo. Um, and it's just that, that middle position selecting both the pickups that really kind of gets it to that sort of character. And, and it just, as soon as I had that tone and heard the pocket. It was like, Oh, this is what we got to do here. And completely, you know, completely pulling from the Motown textbook, which is, you know, accenting the twos and fours and just kind of lightly adding some emphasis. Cause as, as soon as I heard this, I'm like, Oh, there has to be a tremolo guitar somewhere. Uh, just, it just makes so much sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, that was kind of my approach for it. Yeah, and I feel like everyone on this uh, sort of took a step back to make the song the best version of whatever it could be. Uh, what did you do in keyboard land, Steve? There's some organ on this track. That had it's, yeah, it's, 
all just V3, and uh, it's on the slow rotor, and just kind of uh, playing back and forth rhythmically with, with Henry's guitar. Um, it's actually like not that easy of a part to play because it's so specific and there's so many like volume swells and stuff like that that kind of come in and out and help push the dynamics of the tune. And it's kind of buried in there um, underneath everything, just kind of acting as like just this little kind of glue when it's not uh, doing like a lead or anything like that. It was, it was really neat being able to do that with foot pedal, um, over at uh, Dallas Cruz's Zion Studios on on his Hammond, um, just, you can kind of get it with the Nord, but it's not the same. Having like actual air moving and it just kind of gives you chills, you know. When when it swells up and is done right, I I think that was the only song that I did like two or three takes of on B three to come from. Uh, everything else was like one dumb take. Uh, of just very simple pads and stuff, and then one busier take as things were getting assembled so that, that we could comp from. But it was great. Cool. Um, I, there's also a ton of percussion in this. It doesn't sound like there's a ton of percussion, but there's yeah. congas in this song and a ton of tambourine that really make the track and tie it all together. And then there's like, yeah, there's congas on all those old Motown songs, and if the congas aren't in there, they don't sound right. So <laughs> it's just one. Yeah. This is like probably the most dense. Uh, this and Shine a Light are probably the most dense songs on this record. Like, meaning they have the most tracks and the most things going on. And Robert, I remember this is probably this and one other song that we'll get to later are probably the two hardest songs you had to sing on this record for you, right? Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. Um, this song was just one of the most challenging songs on the record. It just, it, it is what it was. Um, and, uh, yeah. I will we'll, say we'll, that you sing it, um, an amazing version of it today, but I think it took a long time to get there. <laughs> it, yeah, it did. I mean, it, it just hours of it, um, to get to, to wh whatever it is now. I mean, uh, we, we hopefully will be playing this live eventually. Um, it just, you know, takes some time to get there, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, one of those songs, man, that just, uh, it, it, it took the time, you know, and, uh, but it, it turned out great. I, I think I, when, when, when this song comes up, I go straight to exactly what Steve was talking about was being in Steve's living room and just going back and forth and writing the lyrics for the verses and, and the putting it all together and, and writing for, you know, someone else's story, which I feel like I do a lot as well. Um, because sometimes when it's your story, you you use different types of words and and because yeah. it's so close you know and when it's when you know the story well enough and it's not your story you can kind of um you know caramelize it in a way to make it flow a little better through through what the actual story is because you're not that connected with it but that the, that comes to my head every time i hear this song or every time we talk about it it's just mm -hmm. it goes straight to steve's living room with him and ian and just yeah, coming up with those I, with those ideas, the you know LA to Midway and stuff like that, and then um, but yeah, but e even before we recorded it, you know, it's just like you know, okay, cool, like the song has a lot of room and and it's not there, there's got to be something, but uh, the horns and the percussion really uh, brought brought this song together for me. So yeah, I, it's really your, your hands up. And I just I just want to say one thing when you brought up the <laughs> no, I just when you brought up that. Um, the you know writing writing it in Steve's living room, 
I just remember like that that guitar part you hear at the beginning of the bat bat bat. Like everybody looked and was like, "That's like, that's yeah. it." And that was another one of those crazy moments where you're just in the room and just like, it just came. It was like it happened in my brain and I heard it and it came out of my hands like right then and there. That like pretty much that exact part and everybody was like, "Oh, that's like totally." You know what I mean? It was just one of those crazy moments where everything's just vibing and everything's rolling forward. You know, which was super cool. And we have played this song live a handful of times, um, but we're planning on playing it more live in the future. Um, but I think we want to have all the right pieces in place because we don't really want to do this song. It works without horns, and we can do it without horns, but uh, we think it sounds better with horns. So there's plans on getting horns in the future, and we want to make sure that we do some of these things justice instead of, you know, coming with a worse version. And also just a little anecdote with, with horns too. Um, it, it was originally a guitar solo. Um, That's true. Yeah. Solo. Yep. yep. It's it true. And I remember, I remember asking uh, Jason when, when he was doing, doing all the, the, the horn arrangements and stuff, I was like, Hey man, you know, just like throw in a solo real quick, you know, like, just, just so we have it if we need it, because sometimes what we'll do is take, I'll have him just solo over a chorus, and then maybe at the end we'll use it for like more ad lib stuff that we can chop up and fly around. And um, and I hadn't heard Henry's solo yet, because you recorded that with Andrew, yeah, um, separately. And so, <laughs> but I remember showing showing you the sax solo, and you were like, "No fucking way!" <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, yeah. so. Close to what they were very, very similar. Yeah, I wanted it to be a sax solo from the very beginning because my whole concept for that whole bridge, which I think I came up with the chords or whatever for the bridge structure, it's the uh bridge of respect uh by Aretha Franklin, which is 100% a sax solo. (laughs) I'm like, this is the where the sax solo comes in, but you never know what's going to happen. He could have played the wrong thing or something, so I think we doubled up with Henry to make sure that we had it all covered. But I'm really glad it ended up being a sax solo. It'll be on the so much more sense that way. I I just never felt I just never felt quite right, uh, dynamic. And and I thought it was a a cool solo. Um, it was a great solo, yeah, and uh, and it was kind of more. Like one of the more like Stevie Ray Vaughnish things than I usually do voicing wise, I would say, as far as what I was inspired by to you know write it. But then just in terms of like what you know phrasing happened and stuff like that, it was kind of remarkable how how similar the approach was. Uh, yeah, it'd be funny to go back and listen to that. We'll put the we'll put the guitar edit on the ten year anniversary deluxe edition <laughs> that comes out for, for everyone right. to hear. Right. <laughs> Like what? Yeah, we talked about this ten years ago. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit, but like really those background vocals too just tie everything together in a way that like yeah. oh, this is how this song sounds. Like if we tried to do that ourselves, you know, it wouldn't, you know, sound like that. It's like you need that female background vocal thing on these Motown style songs to make it work. Them, them doubling down on the like how stuff, you know, like Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, that's so cool, man. Like I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't personally have the balls to do that too much, but um, they they just nailed it, man. Like out the gate. Yeah, they did a really good job, and I think we flew around a bunch of their parts to make it like Motowny. But I like when I started doing sort of dance wedding band stuff. It was all we had to learn Motown and disco, and so like 
I have all that Motown stuff from, like, my parents, too, listen to Motown. They were, like, before rock and roll. So I got a bunch of Beatles, and I got a bunch of, like, Motown stuff. And that was my, you know, old music education. So this stuff is, like, in, ingrained in the back of my skull of what the parts are supposed to be and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm really glad we got to do a song like this and have a song like this in our catalog. And I still think it's, like, an underrated if you haven't listened to this song yet. And I feel like... You know, a lot of people, Shine a Light on Me, Brother, is the song that took off from this. But, like, there's some really, really good songs that are going to be, you know, some of the best songs we ever make. And this is definitely going to be one. <laughs> this is, yeah. like, one of those perfect songs, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I I think this song came out amazing. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, what do we got coming up, guys? Well, we just released a brand new single. We haven't really touched on that. So. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to see the thunder there, Robert, but I just wanted to put that. I wasn't going to say that, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> yeah, we have a brand new songle, songle, song. Yes. It's a song in yes. jingle and jingle. Yes. We have a brand new single out, Waiting for Your Man. There's a music video, new music from us. We are very excited to get it out there. It was recorded at East West Studios in L.A. and engineered and mixed by Alex Pasco, who is a genius who's worked with Adele in Beck and the Foo Fighters and Paul McCartney and pretty much everybody you've ever heard of. And um, yeah, we're super proud of it. Love the way it came out. So if you guys enjoy it, please feel free to share it with people who may not know who we are. And uh, if not, just play it on repeat over and over and over again, because it's a fun, upbeat song. Um, Yeah. What do you, I mean, do you guys have any input on, on how that puppy came out? Whoa, wait for the Waiting for Your Man podcast, okay? We could talk more about that then. Sorry, sorry. We could talk yeah. about the video a little bit, though. Like, we shot this in three locations, and it was super awesome. And uh, we, had, we were at Field Trip Fest, which was super fun. John Hampton got some amazing drone shots over there. Th- uh, shout out to Archie's Ice Cream, who does ice cream yeah. events in uh, Orange County. They let us use their uh, car lot and stuff like that, and that, those shots turned out amazing. And then, uh, Robert, who is, what's the name of the guy who let, you, let us use their cars? John Chase. He is uh, in the car scene. I'm not in the car scene, but if you are in the car scene and you've heard of uh, Hoonigan or Destroyer, uh, he's all over the YouTubes and I think some TV shows, and uh, he let us borrow his '67 uh, Chevrolet. Um, yeah. Part of the thing, and also there's also also there's another car uh, in the video. If you get a chance to see it, that's also in some video games, and uh, also uh, it's a Hot Wheels car too, which is pretty cool. Um, once again, I'm not the car guy, so I couldn't tell you exactly what kind of car it is, but. Uh, it's in video games and stuff, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, John Chase. Thank you to John Chase. Yeah, so thank you for all those people and uh, Ryan for shooting. And uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, but that video really is probably one of the best videos we've ever done and had so much going on in it and looked awesome. So thank you guys all for making that happen. And let's listen to the song. Well, are we'll we closing out on the song? Oh, wait, shoot. No, we have to talk about other stuff. Thank you, guys. You're such an idiot! (laughs) (laughs) We have the Wayfair coming up. We do. We are going to be leaving on tour to Europe for 11 weeks. Um, But uh, before we go, we're playing our hometown show at the Wayfair 
uh, along with Kilo Bravo and Great North Special. This Saturday, um, tickets are going like hotcakes. So if, you, uh, if you're planning on coming, I would grab tickets because it's almost sold out already. Yep. And um, we're super excited. So if you're in the Southern California region, we hope to see you guys there before we take off. Because right now, I don't know when we're playing in Southern California. Again. Right never now. again. We're never, never playing again. in Southern we're California. Again. Never again. This is our last <laughs> This is our fa farewell to Orange County show. So, <laughs> that with all the sincerity that he does, you know, the one time that they said it was their last tour, yeah, or the one time the kids said it was their last, that one time was never to it again. We're very excited to go over Christ too. That's true. <laughs> that, that, that hits a little bit more home than the Who did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Steve, yeah. where are you this weekend? Jeremiah Red. Uh, we're going to be, uh, so we play in Dallas tomorrow. <laughs> that one hit close to home. <laughs> okay. yeah. We're just getting closer to home, baby. Um, we're doing, we're playing in Dallas tomorrow. And then, uh, we head to new Orleans playing new Orleans on Saturday. Unfortunately, I won't be there at the Wayfair, but, um, our good buddy, Albert Margolis is filling in in my stead and he fucking rocks. So go give him some love uh, with with the guys. And, We're playing three and, songs that we haven't played in probably like three years, and yeah. one of the songs we've never played live before. So there's a bunch of stuff coming out uh, that's going to be awesome. Not not that you're not there, but. Uh, yeah. We're doing a bunch of stuff that we haven't done in recent memory at the Wayfair. I'm, so. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous. The, the, the 16th, we're actually we're doing we're doing a headline show at uh, at the I forget the name of the casino, but in Lake Charles, uh, Louisiana, uh, we'll be there that night. So I can't make it out, unfortunately. But um, if you are around the New Orleans area uh, in Louisiana, come say what's up. And because uh, it'll be fun, we're good. Hell yeah, hell yeah, Steve, crushing it. Thanks, buddy. Oh, we also sorry. This is one more piece. Sorry, now we're just like uh, pitching everything. <laughs> but uh, if you see the tiger logo, there's like a better version of that logo. That's a shirt now that I think came out super badass. It was just something that I put together when I was editing it, and then I asked our t-shirt guy to put together a better version of it. So I think it's really cool. Uh, we're going to get some for, or I'm going to get one because I love that. I'm probably just going to be wearing, I'm the lame guy who wears all our band's t-shirts. But uh, um, I thought it was super cool. If you guys like that logo or you like what's going on with it, it's available on robertjohntherec.com. So if you feel the need. There's also yeah. a like, zip-up hoodie that I think that came out badass. That's like all the zip-up hoodies that Warren wears all the time. It's like, he's going to love this one. I got one coming. Anyways, let's listen to it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, be safe and stay safe and get wrecked. And we love you guys. And thank you guys very much for all the support. And we hope you have a lovely week. And if you are in Southern California, we hope that you got those tickets to us at the Wayfair because it is going to sell out. And, uh, without further ado, here is our brand spanking new single, Waiting for Your Man. Get wrecked, everybody.
Okay. 